0: Has anyone, like, I don't know about you, but has anyone ever had one of those moments like when you're in an argument or you're in a fight, and, or when, like, maybe not a fight, but you're having a verbal spat, that's how some people like to describe it, and you walk away. But have you noticed that sometimes when you walk away, that's when you have like the best comebacks? Has anyone had a good comeback after the fact? Right? And then sometimes it's like, not even that, it's actually when you're sleeping and you're like, oh man, I wish I said that. And then sometimes I like to actually imagine what it was like if I did say it. You know, and then imagine it in my head, and that gives me some satisfaction. Um, but then I had this friend, and he took it even further. He would actually tell the story as if he did say it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we, um, we were away on a trip in, uh, in Masterton, and so we just finished a, a service, and we were driving back, and then we went through a, uh, a police checkpoint. Um, obviously, nothing happened, and we got out of the other side. We were in two different cars, and he gets out and tells us the story. He's like, man. That was crazy. Hey? The cops say, like, "Hey, have you been drinking?" And he was like, "Yeah, just sparkling waters." And I was <laughs> firstly not even that cool of a thing to say, right? <laughs> but secondly, someone calls him, and I was like, "No, you didn't." And then he just starts panicking, and then he's like, "No, you know, I, I did. I didn't." He just fights back, like, "No, you didn't. That, that's you're not that guy." And until so finally he's like <laughs> whatever, and then he just and he just walks off, right? Uh, and he moves away from the situation. But but for us as you, actually, it's not just it's just in nature, right? We have two responses, uh, two kind of defense mechanisms that we have. We have whenever we're overwhelmed or whenever we're in danger or threatened, it's fight or flight, right? Whenever we're we're threatened or we're overwhelmed, right? It's and you can see this in animals and stuff the way that they defend themselves, like predators usually like uh, they fight people. I mean, not people, they fight other things that are coming against them. Uh, and then all other animals, to, uh, how they stay alive is to be really fast and, or fly away, right? And as humans, we get to kind of choose uh, how we respond, fight or flight. And I think we kind of shift between them. Uh, for me, when it comes to physical danger, I don't shift between those two things. I am... Definitely a flighter, right? I, um, <laughs> I flight at any chance I can get. I reckon the only time I've ever tried to throw a punch was when I was 12 years old, and it was to my older brother. He was 15. Uh, so as you can imagine, I got beaten up, and um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great experience, and haven't done it since, right? But um, but what I found is that that kind of fight-or-flight mode that I, I find myself in, and more often the flight, like, it doesn't just happen when I'm in physical danger, or threatened like that, sometimes that stuff seeps into um, kind of other areas of, of my life, right? I, I think if we, um, sometimes when um, when I hear this kind of where our world's at or the different stories that we have, you know, the, the things that are going, like the news doesn't really tell us many great things, right? And, and some of that stuff can be really overwhelming. And I know for me it has been, in, or even just kind of different situations in our lives when we get overwhelmed, and I reckon we sometimes find ourselves saying things like, man, what am I supposed to do about it? What can I do about it? And, and as I kind of think about it, that's, that's kind of like a flight response. Right? When something gets like a little bit too much or it's, it's just a bit too heavy, we start to label things in our world as, no, no, that's too hard. I reckon sometimes there's people, there's people in our world and in our families that we've labeled as, man, there's nothing I can do about that. That situation is, is, is too far gone. And, and I don't think I'm the only one that's like that, right? I think it's just our response when there's like a difficult situation or maybe there's a breakdown in a relationship or a tough family member, maybe a personal addiction or whatever. My question is, hey, what's our response in those spaces? What's our, How do we respond in those moments? And if we're being honest, It's a whole lot easier. And in fact, just in case of self-preservation, to just kind of run away from that situation, to kind of label it as something and walk away. Because if you think about it, you don't want to, because the more you invest into that situation, the more you invest into that person, the more you try, and if it all goes south, that's going to hurt so much more. And so I understand why we do that, and if you've ever responded like that, I'm not here to make you feel bad about it and tell you that you're a horrible person, because that's not true, because it's just a very human thing to do. It's just a human thing that we, that we have, and, and in fact, we see it in the, uh, in the story of Esther, right? And you can find the story of Esther uh, in the Bible in the book of Esther, uh, and I want to pick up in chapter 4. Um, but some information that you'll need uh, is like just some backstory. So Esther is the queen um, of of this uh, of this kingdom, uh, and um, but the, the, her people, the Jews, the Israelites, they're actually in exile, and she becomes a queen through some really interesting circumstances, which we'll look at in, in a second, right? But but she's she's there, and then um, and then there was uh, this guy called Haman. Right and uh this guy he gets offended by one of the Jews in fact by Esther's uncle uh, Mordecai and then uh and because of his offense he decides that he's going to kill every Jew there is. Right, so it's a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, it's crazy, crazy what we do when we get offended. Um, and so, so we pick up in, in, in verse 7. I'm just going to read it because, honestly, I think it's going to be more powerful to hear the Word of God than a funny paraphrase that I can come up with. Uh, and it goes like this, like verse uh, 7, I think. Uh, and Mordecai told them all that had happened to him, and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. This guy's literally paying for genocide. Right, It's actually just the most pure evil thing ever. So it's a pretty hectic situation that they find themselves in. Mordecai also gave them a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king, beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak, Hathak interesting name, uh, went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. And then Esther spoke to Hathak and uh, commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I've not been called to come into the king these 30 days, right? So basically, she's, she's kind of faced with this crazy, hectic situation. And verse 11, her response literally is, what do you want me to do about it? Right? There's nothing I can, what am I supposed to do? What can I do? If I go, I'm going to get killed too. Like, what do, you, what do you want from me? It's a very normal response if we ever have that. But I love what Mordecai's response is, right? Her, her uncle. And, and honestly, this is one of my favorite ideas in the whole Bible, uh, one of them. And, uh, and, and it's something that I think is so uh, valuable for us now, right? Especially when we find ourselves in a world uh, that can be so overwhelming. Right, when there's so much need, we well, don't have to look too hard to find kind of a story of brokenness or pain, right? We're kind of our self-preservation is to shut ourselves down and kind of we start to get numb to some things because of all the hectic stuff that's going on, which is kind of what Esther's doing here. But I love what Mordecai says, and it's at the end of verse 14. He goes, maybe you're a queen for such a time as this. Maybe the whole point is because of this time here. And, you know, we're looking at this theme of of gifted in grace, right? And and I just kind of want to go off the bat and say, hey, as a church, as individuals, as people, we are gifted and graced by God for such a time as this, right? The impossible situations that we find ourselves in, the places that we find ourselves being overwhelmed with, man, when we find ourselves with our family and friends that just seem so far away, it can be so easy to be like, man, what am I? doing here? Why am I here? But maybe, just maybe, that's why you're here. Maybe, just maybe, that's the point that you were created and gifted and graced for such a time as this, that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. You are exactly who needs to be where you are right now. You are exactly what your family needs. You're exactly what your school needs. You're exactly what the world needs because you are made and destined for such a time as this. This is why we're here. See, the, the, the peace, the, the joy, the hopefulness, the, all of this stuff that God has, the things that he wants to pour out on his people, man, the way that God's done it every single time has been through people. And whenever there's a problem, God's answered it by raising somebody up. You know, when he comes, even when it comes to salvation, you know, to bring people back to himself, what, how does God respond? He, he responds by sending himself as a person, as Jesus, and, and what's Jesus' response when he ascends to heaven? He sends his disciples, the church. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, man, that's us. Now, this is our time, and we were created for such a time as this. And one Peter four ten, it says this: as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So, two things that come here: and firstly, that every single one of us has a gift. And the purpose of it is to serve others. See, I reckon sometimes we miss the gifts that God has given us, right? Some people are in here like, man, what gift? Well, I've got nothing, right? But but I reckon sometimes we miss the things and the gifts in our life because we just take some things in our own world for granted. And I think sometimes we look at what other people can do and we look and we put that stuff on a pedestal because we can't do it. But the things that we can do, we just kind of play it down. Do you know, Um, this is a bit of a random example, but do you know, like, can it? Can anyone roll their tongue? Yeah, like people that can roll their tongue. Do you know that's actually um, that's actually just genetic? There's some people who can roll their tongue, and some people who just can't. And people who can roll their tongue probably just didn't realize that that was actually a, a special thing that you can do, right? But when you kind of just when something when you just do something all the time, no matter how good you are at it, no matter what it is in your world, you get used to it, and we start to devalue. What God has actually put on your life and in your world, right? Because just something because it's natural for us. You know, even with Esther, the thing that made her queen, (laughs) the thing that made her queen, the thing that positioned her in the first place where she was is the fact that she was beautiful (laughs) and she had a good personality, right? Honestly, the first two chapters of the book of Esther are literally just like the bachelor. Right, it starts off, it's like Xerxes is like one of the most decadent kind of rulers ever. And he gets annoyed at his wife and, and decides, like she offends him. Once again, offense. I don't know what's coming up with that. Right, but, but he gets offended and then she's like, no. Nah, and then he, he kind of pushes her away and his mates are like, you know what? You're the king. Don't let, don't let her tell you what to do. You know what you should do? And his friends come up with this great idea. It's like, you should find the most beautiful woman from every province and then have, get them to go through like six months of beauty treatment and then pick one. <laughs> you know I'm not I'm not advocating for this it's just what happened right uh, <laughs> so it's like the first season of the bachelor the first ever season of the bachelor and and legit and, and Esther 217 this is what it says the king loved Esther more than all the women and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti right the gift that god used to position her to save a group of people from genocide was her looks and personality. Right? And it's not uncommon that God kind of used something a little bit random. You know, like with Moses, God used a stick to deliver his, his people out of 400 years of slavery. David used a sling and a stone to kill a 10-foot giant. And with Joseph, God just used his ability to dream. You know, when Moses has this time with God, and he's like, what am I going to do? And God's like, what's that in your hand? And, and Exodus 4.2, and he goes, what's in your hand? And he goes, a staff. And that's what God used to deliver these people, right? It, that, the, the staff wasn't special. It just happened to be the staff that was in Moses' hand at the time. And that was what God used to do something, right, to show his miraculous power and deliver people. David had a sling and a rock, and then in Samuel 17, 49, it goes to say that um, he took out a stone and slung it and he stuck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell into the, fell on his face to the ground. That's insane to think, right? This guy was 10 feet. If my grandma stood on top of her head, then she would be 10 feet, right? And that's how tall this guy was, right? And so to have the Like the bone density to kind of carry that has to be so thick. So like it's crazy to think that a stone went through this guy's head and and killed him, right? The the more you think of these kind of amazing stories in the Bible, the more you realize that it actually doesn't make sense. And you slowly start to realize that the gift that God gave them wasn't in their abilities or their talents, man, and, and the things in their hands. It was actually the gift is what God did, with what was in their hands. So if you go back, if we jump back to First Peter four ten, when it talks about gifts, there it comes from the. Sometimes I look at Greek words, right? And uh, this Greek word has, sounds something like charisma, and uh, and another way that it can be translated is um, a religious qualification or a miraculous power. See, the gift that we have isn't the actual thing in our hands. It's whatever's in our hands and the power of God through our lives, right? It's not about what we can do. It's, just, it's, about what, it's about God taking the ordinary of whatever we got, and he can do something miraculous that changes people's lives in our world. So when we're thinking I'm not gifted or what do I have to give, what you've got is whatever you have and the power of God, See, when your heart breaks with someone in your world and you're thinking, what do I have? All you have might be whatever's in your hand and the power of God, and that's enough to change the world because that's how powerful and good our God is, and that's the power that he's given to each and every single one of us. I'm not making this up. That's what the Bible says, and I said that for a long time. <laughs> See, all I've got is, honestly, if, I'm being, like, if I break everything that I've done, all I have is I, I like to talk, <laughs> That's literally kind of what this all come, kind of comes down to for me. And uh, I met this stranger the other, uh, the other day and um, we started talking and then she finds out that I'm a Christian. And so then she starts talking to me about all the things that I apparently hate, all the different people I hate, all that kind of exciting stuff. But then, you know, like all I've got is, man, the fact that I know that God is good and he loves people. And that's all I just kind of started talking about. And as we kind of just started talking and having this conversation, something started to shift for her, and all of a sudden, uh, she, she asked me this question, she goes, what brand of Christianity are you a part of? <laughs> and I was like, are you asking me what church I go to? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, cool, hey, I go to Cooper's church, and then I showed her our Instagram page, and, and she got she's like, I actually want to check this thing out. See, honestly... I'm not that, like, I just said, like, God just used some words that I said at some time, and some of them just happened to land for this person. I'm not that special. Like, I'm my own biggest fan. I guarantee that. I really like myself, but... (laughs) I'm not that good, right? It's not me, it's not my words, it's not what I do. It's the fact that God just chooses at some times that he's gonna work through me so that, so that he can draw people to himself and work heaven on earth because it's his desire for our world and the people around us. See, the situation that you find yourself in that's overwhelming, whether it's a broken relationship or maybe it's just some bad news that, that's just kind of overwhelming you right now, a family member, or or a friend that's struggling, whatever you've got, whatever's in your hand, God can use it. If God can use five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 men and their families, I'm pretty certain God can use your talent, your words, your time, your 10%, your heart, your car, your ability to cook, your mind, your ability to dream, just like Joseph, to actually bring change and Actually, make an impact in the world around us. See, because it's once again, it's not about us, it's about the goodness of God and who He is and whatever's in our hands, along with His power and His purpose, man, that's gonna make a huge change. But if we're being honest, right, it's easier said than done, right? (laughs) Because all of these, all of these stories, if you actually think about it, man, and the use of these guys' gifts was actually a result of them just taking a really, really big risk, right? Esther took a risk by entering the king's court, because if he wasn't in a good mood, she would have been killed, right? If he he wanted to, right? But she's such a boss and has this epic one-liner to finish with in verse 16. Uh, I love it. It goes like this. um, And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king, and then she finishes with this, right? This is like a mic drop moment. If I must die, I must die, (laughs) right? (laughs) <laughs> like, how cool is that right but that's the risk that she took but she goes from man I'm, I could die to man if that's what it takes I'm gonna do it. right there's this confidence that starts to shift in her world right you look at Moses he took a stick to meet the pharaoh right in an attempt to get to help people out of slavery right if, if the pharaoh got annoyed and tried to kill him what's Moses gonna do with a stick and this stuff, it, it just doesn't make sense. And then you have David going up against a 10-foot giant with a rock. <laughs> See, these are, some, these are some risky things that they had to do, right? If we want to change our world, man, we've got to fight. We've got to use whatever's in our hand and the gifts that God's given us. But we actually got to start to take some risks. We've got to step out into some spaces and places in our world. You know, some people call me scared. Uh, but I like to think of myself as calculated uh, <laughs> or risk-adverse. Uh, like I'm, I'm never going to bungee or skydive. Like, I had the opportunity once, and I thought about it, and I was like, man, do I want to put my life skydiving in the hands of an adrenaline junkie and a sheet in his backpack and jump out of a very safe plane? I was like, you know what? No, I don't, right? Why? Because it just, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't worth the risk. You know, the way we we kind of, we look at situations and think that's not a risk because the negative consequences is is very unlikely, right? Like that's why we we get into cars, right? Like going in a car and driving, there's actually a risk involved, but we actually decide, you know what, the risk is worth the reward of me getting to where I need to go on time. And so we, we kind of weigh things up you know or if um or sometimes we just have a confidence the reason that we can we can overcome risk is because we have a confidence that we can navigate the potential risk right because there's a risk that you could choke on whatever food you're eating at any point but i have this personal confidence that i know how to swallow and for it to go down my esophagus instead of my trachea right uh windpipe throat. I think those are the other words that you could use for that, right? Without it going down the, the wrong pipe. See, when we have a confidence in what we're doing, we don't really think about what could go wrong because we're focused on what, could, what we're going for. See, and we, with David, he was a teenager with a sling, but the reason he was able to take the risk because his confidence was in God. He wasn't thinking about how big Goliath was. He was thinking about how good and big his God was. 1 Samuel seventeen thirty seven goes, the Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Moses, he was able to take the risk because once again, he was confident. He was more confident in what God could do through him than what Pharaoh could do to him. And you know, and um, if I could get the team up, uh, I, mean, I just want us to, to kind of just wrap this thing up here and be like, man. Our world needs us. Actually, that's not true. (laughs) Our world needs God. Like whatever situation that you can think of that's going on in your world, what I know for a fact is that the answer is found in Jesus, right? The peace that people need, the hope that people need, and the way and the brokenness of our world. But God has chosen to meet the needs of his people through other people. So whatever situation that you find yourself in that you might be feeling a bit overwhelmed man we we don't have to be because we can move with the confidence man that our God is is with us and he's good and he's bigger than any situation than any problem we can move with the confidence that man there's that God has actually placed us in a situation for a reason with a purpose. See, so 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says that God won't give you more than you can bear because He's given you what you need to get through that situation. But, but I love that it's not just about you getting through. And I love that what God has given us, the gift that He's given us, isn't just about us getting through a situation. It's about us getting through a situation and actually serving and helping a whole lot of people around us in the same situation. It's actually about our family and our friends. And you've been gifted and graced for such a time as this.